Good morning. My name is Mark, for those of you that I have not yet met. And we are going to begin at the beginning. Uh, I want us to, to take a step back here to remember where we've been. We're, we're walking through the New City Catechism, which is uh, a new, new language around some old questions that the church has been asking and answering for quite some time. And again, the, the purpose of a catechism is uh, it's a teaching tool to remind us of the central truths of the Christian faith. Or another way to say it would be it's a teaching tool to remind us of what is centrally true, of what is most real. And so when we began uh, through the, the New City Catechism, we started with this question. What is our only hope in life and in death? And the answer to that, we said, was that we are not our own, but we belong body and soul, both in life and in death, to God and to our Savior, Jesus Christ. And as we've progressed through these different uh, passages of Scripture and different questions and answers, we've been really drilling down into what do we mean when we say that? I mean, what a profound answer. But, for example, what do we mean when we say God? That's a, that's a word that we and lots of people throw around a lot. What do we really mean when we say God? And so we've we looked at that. How does God reveal who God is in Scripture? And we see that God reveals himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We've been looking most recently at what does God require us require of us and what what is God's law. And so last week was looking at Jesus' summary of the law of God. Uh, which is to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And so this week, we're going to focus just a little more in on that first part. How do we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength? Jesus' summary of all of the law and the prophets, right, it, it was this two-part answer, loving God and loving neighbor. And really, that's, uh, that kind of points us back to in the Old Testament, where we had the, the most concise uh, summary of the law, were the Ten Commandments, right? These Ten Commandments that were given by God to his people, Israel, as they were fleeing uh, slavery, from, uh, slavery in Egypt across the desert. They were given these Ten Commandments. And we're going to look at the first three, which are the ones that deal most uh, specifically with our relationship with God. How is it that we love God? We're going to look at them, though, in light of the whole book of Deuteronomy. Uh, there's two places where we have the Ten Commandments. One's in Exodus, kind of right in the middle of the story. And in Deuteronomy, the, the last book uh, of what's called the Pentateuch, the, the first five books in the Old Testament, or what our Jewish friends call the Torah, uh, it, it's, it's kind of a summary of everything that has come before. And, and so we have a retelling of a reminder of the Ten Commandments there. What's happening in Deuteronomy is that the, the people of God have traveled for 40 years across the desert, and they are on the cusp of entering into the promised land. They are almost there, right? A whole generation of Israelites has died off. There's a whole new generation that is taking over. Moses is 120 years old, and he gathers the people together one last time. They're on the edge of the Jordan. He's like, all right, we're going in to this new land that God has promised us. This is good. We're going to have a home. But here's the kind of people that we're going to be. And so Deuteronomy is, it's a mixture. It's a mixture of storytelling and law-giving. It's a mixture of remembering where we've been, remembering what God has done, 
And in light of that, this, this is the kind of people that we are going to be. These are going to be the, the laws that define and describe the way that we do life together. So in light of that, I'm going to read from Deuteronomy 5, the first 11 verses. It'll be on the screen if you want to pull open your Bible or look on your phone or pull it up from memory if you've got it memorized. I do not, so I'm going to be reading it from the Bible. Deuteronomy 5. Moses summoned all Israel and he said, Hear, Israel, the decrees and laws I declare in your hearing today. Learn them and be sure to follow them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us at Horeb. It was not with our ancestors that the Lord made this covenant, but with us, with all of us who are alive here today. The Lord spoke to you face to face out of the fire on the mountain. At that time, I stood between the Lord and you to declare to you the word of the Lord because you were afraid of the fire and did not go up to the mountain. And he said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sins of the parents to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commands. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Lord, we thank you for the gift of your word, and we receive it this morning as a gift. Holy Spirit, would you speak to your people? Speak to our hearts. Plant your word in our hearts that it would produce fruit in our lives. Be our teacher, Lord. Amen. So these first three commandments, I'm sure that even if you've not grown up in the church, I'm sure that you've heard these before at some point. Uh, to have no other gods than God. To have no graven images, right? No carved images, uh, which um, more broadly applied to us. No idols, no other things that we worship. And then no misusing God's name. Most of the Ten Commandments are phrased with a, a thou shalt not kind of a, a introduction, right? Don't do these things. Um, so one of the things that we can do that's helpful when we're looking at the commandments is to ask, okay, what's the, what's the positive flip side of that? If this is what we're not to do, what's the thing that we are to do in light of this? And that actually is what our question for the morning gets at. And so I'm going to ask, and then we'll answer together our question. What does God require in the first, second, and third commandments? First, that we know and trust God as the only true and living God. Second, that we avoid all idolatry and do not worship God improperly. Third, that we treat God's name with fear and reverence, honoring also his word and works. I appreciate that they've uh, attempted to take those three commandments and, and view them through the positive lens of what are we to do rather than what are we always to avoid. And if I could sum up uh, this answer in one word, it would be a word that's right at the middle of the answer. 
and that is worship. God delights in his people's praises. He delights when we worship him properly. This is what the first three commandments are asking of us, is for us to worship God, for us to worship only God, and for us to take seriously and weighty the worship of God. And when we're talking about worship here, of course, we're, we're speaking of things that are more than just the singing of songs together, though certainly it includes that, right? And, and we're, we're speaking about more of our life than just the part where we gather together on Sunday morning, though again, it of course includes that. We're talking about how we as God's people, how we respond to who God is and to what he's done. Worship is our response to God. It's our loving response to God. It's how we love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Another way to think of it might be to say this. Uh, This is about placing God at the center of our lives. Or more accurately, recognizing that God is at the center of all things. That Jesus is the Lord of everything. And the question for us is, are, are we responding? Are we oriented towards God at the center? Or are we elsewhere? Are, are we distracted? Are we worshiping other things that are less than God? Is our love directed towards God at the center? As Deuteronomy progresses through retelling the story of Israel through their, uh, their exodus, and as it uh, establishes the laws for God's people, there is a, a phrase that Moses repeats um, in two different ways, but meaning the same thing, as a, as a way for God's people to worship him. And it's this, remember. Or sometimes, don't forget. But he repeats that call to God's people dozens of times throughout this book. Remember. Remember who God is. Remember what he's done for you. Don't forget that you were slaves in Egypt, but God freed you. Don't forget. That, I believe, is the key, or one of the keys, to living a life of worship, a life where that is at the center of what we are and who we, who we are and what we do, that all of life is oriented towards the worship of God by remembering, by not forgetting. I have a, I have a wedding ring here. I got this ring uh, because we, well, because I got married. <laughs> but the story of how I got it was that I ended up at uh, a wedding expo in Bellevue by myself because Summer had an all-day class. And if I went to the expo uh, and I went by the Mr. Tuck's booth, I could get like 20% off the rentals for myself and the groomsmen. And I was the only dude there by myself. <laughs> but I went. I was unafraid. And... Uh, and I received a lot of pity from a lot of people. <laughs> but I, we, had, we had bought Summer's ring, and I, we were um, a month or so away from the wedding, and I was like, oh, I need, a, I need a ring. But I didn't want to spend what I spent on Summer's for myself. <laughs> so they had a booth there, a jeweler had a booth, and they had these, these uh, simple silver rings for like 20 bucks. And uh, so I got it. And it fits, and it has been on my hand for 10 plus years now. And it is a reminder, and it helps me remember. It's a, it's a not forgetter, right? That's what this is. It helps me remember the vows that I took on that day when we got married. It reminds me of the vows that Summer took when she put it on my finger. It reminds me of, uh, of the commitment that we have for each other. 
And so sometimes if I'm just kind of spinning it and you know, playing with it, it's, it's, it's really it's my version of a fidget spinner. I just... <laughs> but, it, but as I'm doing that, I'm remembering. I'm remembering these, these vows that we've taken, the commitment that we made to each other. Deuteronomy is filled with little helps like this to help God's people remember, to help them not forget. And what happens when God's people remember, when we remember what God's done for us in Christ, is that it moves us towards worship, right? It's that first initial step towards responding to God in worship. And this is what God is desiring for his people in these first three commandments. Right, so, so in Deuteronomy, there's all these festivals that are, uh, are commanded to, for God's people to remember, to, to reenact God's saving, uh, his saving actions. So in the, in the desert, as they're traveling through the desert, right, they're, they're a nomadic people, they're living in tents. And so there's a festival, the festival of the booths, where they're supposed to live for a week in tents again, to, to reenact and to remember what God did in their lives, to, to remember that God brought them out of slavery and into the promised land. Uh, there's instructions for them to, to wrap symbols around their hands and on their forehead and, and to write God's word on the doorpost of their house so that as they're going out and as they're coming in, they're reminded that Jesus, well, they're reminded that God is on the throne, right? That God is the center of their lives. Even the very laws themselves, which of course were instructions to be followed, but they, they also served a reminder purpose. Um, in chapter 6, uh, in, in reflecting on these laws, it says this, In the future, when your son asks you, what is the meaning of the stipulations, the decrees, and the laws the Lord our God has commanded us? What, what's the meaning of all this? You're to respond, tell him the story, right? You, 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 the, the parents were supposed to take these prompts from their kids, these questions that they would ask, and, and retell the story to remember what God has done, to move them to worship. But there's a challenge to remembering what God has done, and it's comfort. God is bringing his people into this fruitful land. This is, this is where we get the, the phrase flowing with milk and honey, right? That was how the promised land was described, as a land flowing with milk and honey. It's a gift to God's people. God is providing for their, for their needs in a marvelous way. But the danger is that in providing for their needs, they will become comfortable and complacent and forgetful. And that's why Moses is constantly saying, don't forget, remember. Don't forget, remember. If we do forget, in chapter 8 he says this, the people will begin to say that my power and strength and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. When we're comfortable, we have a tendency to believe that we have worked hard and earned what we have, and that is for us. What we have is by us and for us. Uh, but God says, no, 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 no. Remember, don't, don't forget. I have given you all that you have. I have given you your life. And it's actually, it's for others. It's not by you and for you. It's, it's by me. I've given it to you, and it's for others. And so 
Deuteronomy has these laws that take into account the vulnerable, right? Um, we spoke of this a few weeks ago, talking about how the bent of God's justice is for the fatherless, the widow, and, um, and the foreigner, the, out, the outsider. And that all those are three groups of people that had no political or no legal status um, in the land. And, uh, and yet God says, I'm, my heart is for them. I want to take care of them. And so the laws that, he would, that they were given... Uh, like th- this impacted the farming laws, right? You were, you were not to farm so efficiently that you harvested everything. You're supposed to leave stuff on the edges so that those could, other people could come in and glean who didn't own land or who didn't, didn't have access to all that crop. Uh, you weren't supposed to pick every grape in your vineyard. You were supposed to leave some for those that needed. Uh, you were supposed to pay fair wages whether your worker was a fellow Israelite or a foreigner. Didn't matter. You are supposed to pay them the same wages, which is a remarkable law for this time. This is some of the implications of what it means to remember what God, that, that God has given us what we have and that it's, it's for others. I was thinking about the process of remembering, remembering that God is God. And uh, it, it sort of seemed to fall into this rhythm of, of grace and repentance. Right? Those, those initial reminders, those initial things that remind us that God is at the center of everything, that is a grace. That is a gift to us. God gives us those. He gives us those throughout the day if we have eyes to see him, right? Whether we're reading scripture, whether we're walking outside, a conversation with a friend, anything can be that reminder to us that God is on the throne. That's a grace, then immediately, for us, our first step of response is the first step of repentance, which is sorrow and lament, because we have been oriented, we, we've oriented our lives around something else. We have forgotten, right? That's the, that's the truth of our lives, is that so often we forget, and so we express sorrow over that. The next grace that comes to us is the grace of forgiveness. The grace of knowing that in Christ, our sin is forgiven. Removed as far as the east is from the west. And then the final repentance, the first repentance is a sorrow. The the final step of repentance is a turning, right? This is what repentance is. To express sorrow and to turn. To turn our attention and our love back to God. This danger that Moses highlights for the Israelites, uh, the danger of comfort, is one that we in America need to pay attention to. This is a word for us, yes? That the the danger of of becoming so comfortable that we forget, we forget God, we forget that everything that we have, our resources, our salvation, all of it is sheer gift from him. So the question I want to leave you with is what helps you remember? What are the things in your life that help you remember God? And in remembering God, help move you to worship God. Help move you to respond to these first three commandments of uh, having no other gods before God, worshiping God appropriately, not misusing God's name, taking the worship of God seriously. What helps us remember? 
Certainly, I think daily times in prayer and in the word, these are graces that God gives us that help us remember, help remind us uh, who we are and who God is and all that he's done for us. Uh, I, <laughs> I just came back from Spokane visiting my mom, um, or my mom and my dad. Uh, my mom suffered a, a stroke a number of years ago, a number of years, a number of months ago. And uh, we've been back to Spokane uh, quite a few times in the last several months. And when we're there with our kids, we stay with the Luptons. And I've, I've used the Luptons as sermon examples a number of times because they are an incredibly generous family that's had a pretty profound impact on my own family. But Cindy's house uh, is filled with these, um, I don't know what else to call them, but other like country craft, country cottage sort of banners and signs. And they're like wood plaques with inspirational Bible verses on them. And, uh, and they're, they're kind of scattered throughout the house. And my first response uh, whenever I see them is, not my style. <laughs> and my second response is, that is so helpful for me as a reminder as I move through their house. When I get out of the shower and I see a, across the bathroom, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. That actually impacts me. That reminds me this morning that God has greeted me this day, that this day is his and it's for him, and that he's giving me his joy. I need that reminder. I'm not, I'm not trying to tell you how to decorate, but that's one of those things that for me in their home uh, was a helpful reminder. It helped me remember God. Um, I think of, of Melanie and Leif, you guys meeting, um, meeting in the parking lot before work and reading a psalm together, knowing that as you go into your day, right, this, you've got the words of this psalm ringing around in your head and your heart, that, that as you do your work or as you encounter a challenge in work or a challenging uh, coworker, uh, it, it certainly wouldn't be you two as the coworkers. That wouldn't be the challenge, but other people that were challenging. Uh, that you had the language of these psalms um, reminding you of God's presence in your life that day, reminding you that Jesus is Lord, that no problem is outside of his control. I was thinking of the Turnbulls. Uh, they're a church planning family that we've had a relationship for a while with, uh, they, they have a practice that whenever they get in the car with their kids, they recite um, St. Patrick's breastplate, the prayer of St. Patrick. Christ in front of me, Christ behind me, Christ all around me. As a reminder to them that as they drive and wherever it is that they're going, uh, that, that Christ goes with them, goes before them. So the question, what helps you remember uh, is there's also followed up by the question, where are the places where you tend to forget? Where are the places in your life where you find consistently you are forgetting the truth, the glorious truth that God is on the throne in Christ, that you are loved unconditionally? Where are you forgetting that Christ has freed you from the, the bonds of slavery to sin? just like God freed the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. And in those places, I imagine maybe one or two has kind of percolated up in your mind. In, in those places, what might you do? What, what sort of a reminder might you, you put there? Maybe it's physical, maybe it's, maybe it's something else. Uh, what kind of reminder would you put there to remember God this week? I think one of the 
things that I love about the weekly rhythm of, of gathering together is because it, it does, it feeds and fuels that remembering. Um, and in fact, every week, and we've been doing this now for a couple of years where we, we celebrate the Lord's Supper every week. And every week we say the same thing, which are Jesus' words, which are, do this in remembrance of me, right? Remember me. Remember what I have done for you, the sacrifice that I've given on the cross and the freedom that I've purchased for you, the new life that I've come to give you. Remember that. Because inevitably, you've forgotten. We've forgotten. So that's the invitation this morning. I don't know what what that'll look like in your week, but I I do know that, that right now, we have the opportunity to remember to acknowledge that we've forgotten, to take this celebration as, as uh, what it is, right? We, we, we call this a sacrament. It's a, a visible sign of God's invisible grace. And as soon as we're invited to it, we have to recognize and lament the fact that we have forgotten God in our lives. We have forgotten that Jesus is Lord, that he's on the throne. And we hear in Jesus' own words, that his body and blood have, have been broken and shed for us for the forgiveness of our sins. We receive another grace, the forgiveness of our sins. And finally, that, that final invitation of repentance to, to, to turn, to make a change, to reorient all of our lives so that they are focused and centered around the love of God. So that's the invitation. Summer's going to come and lead us to the table this morning.